Nice. Woo-hoo. That's a good one. Well done, gang. Well done. Well <laughs> met, as the dwarves in Good form, Peter. <laughs> good form. Bad form, Peter. <laughs> It's like one of my favorite parts of Outlander. I'm like, I almost wish it was just a show about an old Scottish clan. Like that alone <laughs> is just watchable. But there's this, you know, whole other thing about how she's a time traveler that I'm vaguely not that interested in. <laughs> I'm like, just show me the Scottish clan and fighting with swords. According to the custody agreement, I can talk to you again for this week. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I had Welcome to back. literally bite my tongue when you said that. <laughs> oh, my eyes are watering. That was great. Hello. Uh, welcome back to another episode, another week, another show of Dad's Talking Dad's. Uh, I am Johnny, and hopefully I didn't creep you out too much there. Uh, with me, as always, for another week, again, it's Joel and Tony. Uh, we'll start off with Joel. Joel, how's it going? It's going pretty well, buddy. I went. Uh, we had a big day out yesterday. We took the family out, and we saw the Grinch at uh, the... the uh, it used to be the Ultra Star Theater in Poway. Oh, yeah. And it's transformed a couple of different times. Now AMC owns it. Um and it's really nice. They put in, like, the reclining seats with the heated seats and all that. And they, they call it AMC Dine-In, so you can, like, order food. And they'll... I don't know if they bring it to you, because we didn't order food. Because, I mean, come on. It's, it's still ridiculously price. <laughs> um, it was really comfortable, and it was a good time. But we saw The Grinch, and it was... Eh, it was all right. I mean, it was a kid's movie. It was entertaining, I guess. It's It was the... Uh, uh, Illumination was the studio that made it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the guys that do, like, Despicable Me and... Um, the Lorax and those movies. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were expecting it to be pretty good, but it was kind of flat, to be honest with you. But, you know, the kids loved it. They had a good time. It was comfortable. Um, and then we went ice skating. Uh, it was at the... I think they call it the rinks at Poway. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it was really... it was. It's actually really close by. It's uh, right off the script Poway Parkway by where the Napa is. The Napa Auto Parts is down there. And it was a really good time. Um, I didn't fall once, which is an achievement for me, because I am a exceedingly mediocre ice skater. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke took to it like a fish to water. He was, like, this is the first time they had been on any sort of skates. And uh, James was pretty timid. He was having a good time, but, you know, he stuck to the walls mostly, which don't blame him at all. But Luke, man, he wanted to go. Like, I'd, I'd hold his hand and we'd go to skate. And he would always just, like, make a 90-degree turn right for the middle of the ice. And I had to be like, no, 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 we got to take laps. Like, we got to go in a circle. <laughs> but, yeah, he was doing great. It was a good time. Nice. It's good to hear. See, the, when, you, when you described it to us yesterday, uh, when you were messaging us about ice skating, I had assumed you were just falling on your ass, like, every other minute. So Same. You're, you're, you're much better than you were describing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was because there's always, like, one or two, like, really, really good ice skaters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you think, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then you see somebody fly by you at, like, 30 miles an hour, like, effortlessly. And you're just like, oh, that's what it looks like to be actually good at ice skating. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe I was 
but, uh, it hurt my uh, ice skating self-esteem a little bit seeing some of those those like pro level ice skaters out there oh yeah yeah one of my friends is he's like really into he's pretty good at figure skating and can do all the twists and turns and jumps and it it, it always amazes me i've never had that kind of grace uh that's not even but, close yeah no no definitely not not definitely for me not. no how about, how about you tony how was your weekend it was good it was pretty good uh yesterday i just kind of hung hung about the house during the day and then at night went over to a friend's house and played settlers of Catan, 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 nice. however it's pronounced, but uh, it's a good time. Been a little bit since I had played, and I lost horribly, but because I knew I was going to lose, I just became the free market where I'll just take anything anybody wants to trade me. I don't care. So it kind of created a fun, loose environment for everybody else, kind of ease the tension a little bit when it got too serious. And then today, went and saw Fantastic beasts the new one with a friend i did not care for it so that is my review i would say two magic wands out of five yeah I, but between both of your guys's movies with the grinch and the new fantastic beasts i was not particularly excited for i i offer either and with fantastic beasts i've seen bits and pieces like on a plane so i feel like i've seen like about 70 percent of the movie so i've got an idea you know kind of, of of how it feels to, i don't know it just seemed like an american version of harry potter but like not i don't know i feel like that that took out some of the magic johnny you would hate this movie i'm just going to tell you do not see the new one you would not like it that was the feeling that i got and one of my friends from work was like no you've got to go see it and it's no. it's based on this and here's how it and i'm like i, I, I know i mean i know how it ties out i know who grindelwald is but uh yeah it just i don't know yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, 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 did they try and just make it too much? Like, I feel like they try and make movies blockbusters now. It's like, it's got all these elements of a blockbuster, and therefore it is. It honestly was so hard to follow, and I think I'm a... I mean, I used to work at a film studio. I've worked in that industry. I've seen a lot of movies, and I, I feel like I have a pretty good mind for following the plot of a film, even if it's a little complex. I could not tell you right now what happened in the movie. It, I honestly felt like I was falling asleep at times because I couldn't follow scene to scene. It just, it was very mangled. And uh, speaking to your point, there were just like these big set pieces with lots of special effects and like, yeah, it looks cool and it sounds cool. But at the end of it, you're like, wait, why, why did that happen? I, I don't, <laughs> what just happened? There was just like a big glowy beast thing. And now we're, all right, okay, we're moving on. I guess that was just to tickle my eyes it's that's what it is it, it's polished turds and cotton candy it's <laughs> really depressing it's an excellent band name but i didn't polished like the taste turds of it. and cotton candy one two three four <laughs> <laughs> i seem i feel like that's like an all-girl punk band right there <laughs> oh my gosh yes i've seen that band before <laughs> yeah it's true tony saw them last weekend <laughs> At the Casbah. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I will. Uh, I, I guess we'll we'll roll into it. Um, oh wait, I I, sh- I guess I should briefly talk about my weekend. I know we're a little we got a hard out, as they say in the biz, Tony. Speaking um, of polished turds, the Padres, right? Anyway, Johnny, how was your weekend? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I mean, my weekend. I'll go through it quick because it was it, not a whole lot. I mean, yesterday was like 
hanging around the house. Saturday is like just our lazy day, just recovering from the week um, mm-hmm. and just the commute and everything. Um, so just when we stayed inside, we've, we've been binge watching the show um, Outlander. I don't know. If, I feel like maybe Joel Mariah's maybe heard of it. I feel like this is like. Oh um, yeah, she's all over that. <laughs> okay, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. May, um, you know what? I might have. I might have. We were we were Facebook messaging, and I think we were probably talking about it too. Um, but yeah, Danny's like all about it. Um, and it's one of those shows where like, you know, you know, when you watch certain shows with your significant other and you're like, oh, they're us. Um, that's, that's like one of, so we've been enjoying that, like watching the, you know, the, the, the two main characters interact and everything. Um, and then today, kid's birthday party, not any of mine, um, or else I would have gone into that in more detail other than kid's birthday party. Um, (laughs) some (laughs) random kid. I don't know. Yeah. Just some kid. No, they're older. Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. One of my cousin's kids. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was basically it. So pretty chill weekend. We're just, we're just uh, stoked that Thanksgiving is this week and that it'll be only a three day work week. That's my favorite part. So, um, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are finishing up what we started on the last episode. Uh, so we're going over the last of our off season awards and uh, when we stopped last time, we gave out our Cy Youngs. Uh, we had gone over Cy Young, Golden Globe, uh, Golden Globe, Golden Glove. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should give out a Golden Globe, though, for who was the, I don't know how, how that would work. Um, most Brian Mitchell for perform- acting like a good pitcher in yeah. the last month of the season. <laughs> oh, there we go. It was amazing. And you know what? It was at the end of the season, which was smart, because that's Clutch. when the voters are... Recency you know, bias. Yeah. It, oh, exactly. It, it, very smart. By, and he won an Brian award Mitchell. last time. Joel gave him he an really award. Sure yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did. He schmoozed the voters. This was smart. Um, I feel schmoozed. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 but yeah, we went over most surprising, uh, most disappointing team MVP. So um, if you haven't already, go back and listen to last week's episode and catch... The first half of the awards, but this week uh, we're going to go over our last few as well as give our thoughts on Andy Green and our final thoughts on this past season as we move toward uh, next season. So we'll get right into it. Uh, I'll start off here with the first award, uh, and this is the Coach Needs to Put in Our Boy Before We Get Mercy Ruled Award. And uh, <laughs> that is, I don't know, it just, it just read that voice when I saw it. Uh, that yeah. is going to be the best reliever. And uh, I'll start off with Tony. I am going to go ahead and give this award to uh, Matt Strom. And the reason why, uh, kind of twofold. Uh, the numbers are good. He had 1.4 war on the uh, season. He has three wins, four losses. 2.05 ERA, which is pretty good. It looks like he played in 41 games with how many innings does he have? 61.1 innings pitched this year. No injuries to speak of, at least not that I'm remembering. I don't remember him spending any time on the DL. Uh, 69 strikeouts over those 61 frames and 21 walks. Um, overall, you can look into the more detailed numbers yourself because I don't have them pulled up. But I think Padres fans across the board, and I will kind of open it up to you guys after I finish here uh we're uh, pretty pleased with him he's only 26 he turns 27 before the beginning of next season and i think he has kind of done well enough for himself for us to kind of think starter maybe a piece of the rotation going into next year and uh that's exciting but on 
a note that kind of gives him the award for this year. I just felt like any time he came into the game, I was never worried. And yeah, sometimes he gave up a hit or a home run or something, but there are those relievers on every team, even the Padres. I mean, talking about Brian Mitchell, but there are always those relievers where they make the pitching change and you see them run out and you're like, oh no. Oh, please, no. I, my heart can't take it. I don't, I don't want to get all stressed. Like, why? Why couldn't you just bring in old reliable? And for me, I felt like Matt Strom was more on the old reliable side. Uh, on top of that, he pitches, I guess, plays. Doesn't pitch with a lot of emotion, but plays with a lot of emotion. You can tell he really likes being out there. He kind of gets on himself when he gives up a bad pitch, but he also gets uh, really fired up when he closes out an inning or strikes out the side and... I think it's just really fun to watch. He's young, controllable for the next few years. Having any kind of arm that is maybe good enough to move into your rotation is always a good problem to have. So uh, I'm going to give Matt Strom our quote-unquote coach needs to put our boy in before we get Mercy Rule Award, otherwise known as best reliever. Uh, what do you guys think about Matt Strom? Uh, I like you know I, I like him as well. I think that point about him potentially going into the starting rotation, um, at least to see what he looks like, is uh, a good idea, uh, especially because I think he was previously starting in Kansas City, if I remember correctly. If not every game, like more often than not, um, I believe so. Yeah, so he's I mean he's already got that experience, um, and I think he's had this year to truly stretch out a little bit so I mean next season if you have him on like a because he pitched 61 and a third this past season so I mean I don't see a reason why he couldn't be at like 120 next season um Mm -hmm. I don't think that's like and just because he's he's already kind of been there before so it's not like he's always been a reliever and he's moving up to it so um but yeah I, I definitely liked what I saw out of him last season and I mean most importantly 69 strikeouts that's all you need to say Nice. 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 Let me see here. I'm trying to see if I can find some stats on his velocity. Well, you look for that, Joel. I will chime in and say, uh, Johnny, in 2017, it looks like he started uh, three games for Kansas City and uh, did not fare too well. Ended up that year with a 5.45 ERA. Uh, Numbers don't look too great. He pitched uh, 34 and two-thirds innings but gave up one less walk than he did in 61 innings for us so it looks like he had some control issues um in kansas city but he didn't have darren balsley he didn't didn't have the the golden touch the magic man with the magic hands (laughs) so his pitching uh sorry his uh, fastball velocity it looks like mid 90s 94 um Pretty consistently over the past three years, uh, but he does have four pitches. So I mean, working him in as a starter isn't super far fetched. It's not like he's a guy with you know fastball changeup and that's mm-hmm. it, or you know he has to stick around in the bullpen. Um, and I mean, with a two point oh five ERA, how can you not give him a shot? You know what I mean? What's yeah. not to like about that? Um, Whip below one, uh, strikeouts per nine at ten. I mean, yeah, I, he could. I, I don't know. It's one of the, I'm kind of on the fence about it because you know you could see it going either way. Obviously, I guess anything could go either way, but he could be great or he could go the way he did last time. He had his three starts, like you said. Um, in, what was it Kansas City? Yeah. So uh, I don't know, man. It was a sharp drop off from this year to the previous year. So it looks like he's bouncing back pretty solidly. I mean, his ERA plus was 83 in 2017 versus 188 now. Ooh, um, nice. I mean, 
we could give him another bump out there uh, as a starter, or you know, I, I I'd be perfectly fine keeping him in the bullpen because it seems like he's absolutely thriving. You know, maybe maybe uh, having him see the entire rotation or the entire lineup turnover a couple of times makes him more hittable. You know what I mean? Yeah, could be. That's a good counterpoint. So. Yeah, but yeah, uh, oh, uh, I mean, overall, definitely huge fan of, of Matt Strong. Um, he's a slightly better uh, reliever by the numbers than than my pick uh, over a similar number of innings. But uh, mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Strom's. Well, feel free to uh, to get into your guy then, Joel. Yeah, I'll go ahead and segue right into it. Uh, my selection would be Kirby Yates. Uh, he also has a very nice uh, ERA on the year, uh, crisp 2.14, uh, 12 saves. Uh, this is a guy where even when Brad Hand was on the team, I was kind of like, why Why are we not going with this guy? Because Hand had kind of a shaky year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where he did just enough to not lose the job, and so he kind of had that seniority uh, impact where you really had to wow to, to knock him out of his spot. But, I mean... Uh, uh, close to two ERA, I feel like, should be enough to do that, especially when you've got 12.9 strikeouts per nine. Um, he, he had a whip of .92. I, I, like, I was kind of shocked that he didn't get a, get a shot even while he was on the team, and I guess that made trading him away the deadline even more of a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, he's had a, a tremendous season as well. There's a whole bunch of talent in the bullpen right now. This is probably one of the easiest awards we'll have during this uh, two-part uh, event of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go ahead and open up to discussion, guys. What do you guys think about Mr. Yates? You can go first, Johnny. Sure. Uh, I like him a lot, and it will be a bummer when he's traded, but I'm excited for the assets that we'll get in return. I mean... Yeah, I guess that's the biggest con, is he's 31, you know? Yeah, but it didn't make him any less good this past season. I mean, like, he... if Because he had, what, an ERA under one until, like, July or something like that? I mean, it was yep. it was stupid good what he was doing this season. Yeah, I think you hit the nail oh, on the head there. bird. Oh, <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> the what? There's a little bird chirping on... It must be on... Oh, no, on that's me. Then? That's me. The little guy won't stop. <laughs> Excuse me, we're recording. Thank you very much. He doesn't mind. Oh my god! He's a fan of the show. <laughs> I give a fuck. Our first live audience. That's true. He's like, I like <laughs> what I show. hear. <laughs> um, oh, I agree goodness. with Johnny, though. I mean, I think he is. Uh, he was awesome this year. I was glad to see him kind of get a shot to take over the closer role. Uh, Joel, you were right. When there were some moments where Hand came in, and you want to talk about anxiety? Boy, had it watching him, and then it's just like, can we put? Can we put Yates in, please? Someone who can button this up really quick? Like, I don't care who does it. Just close the game up. But I think with Yates' age, and if he continues to put up numbers that he did this year, going into next year, I think it's almost a certainty that he gets traded. I mean, and I'm okay with that. I mean, with the age and kind of like what we got from hand, granted we had to trade away uh, Simber as well, but even if you're just trading Yates, I think you can get something pretty valuable uh, in return. I think that's just... Uh, trade you have to make if the opportunity presents itself yeah agreed i mean especially when you have a guy like strom who had almost identical numbers over an identical number of innings mm-hmm. nearly identical number of innings pitched yeah, you guys are right i mean it's a no-brainer if you got one guy who's pitching at x level and he's 26 and you have another guy who's pitching at the same level and he's 31 yeah. I and mean, you, you gotta do it you gotta get rid of the 31 year old but man 
Uh, you mentioned anxiety. I mean, even when Hand was closing out games, and I'm a really big ha- fan of Brad Hand. To, to I mean, we talked about. I think we mourned him when he got traded mm-hmm. and did like a eulogy, a you googly for yeah. him, if you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, even when he was getting saved, it was like you had no idea if he was going to be able to make it through the inning. And like when I saw Hand co- or not Hand, when I saw Yates come in, like they would pull him out for the next guy, usually Hand, to be honest, because he'd come in in like the eighth mm-hmm. inning or so. I'd be like, man, why are they pulling Yates? Like, he's got it locked down, like, in command, just, like, I mean, he passed the eye test for sure. The numbers are all there, but, I mean, he really looked the part when he was out there. So, yep. uh, yeah, I really can't say enough about Yates. And I, I'm not surprised that Johnny's a fan as well, considering he also won the uh, the MVP award for, for Johnny last show. Partially because of his trade value as well, but, but, but also because he is very, very good. Um... Let me take a look. Who did I have? Oh, yeah. So uh, my best reliever, partially uh, because I just didn't want to have the same guy as you guys, is going to be Craig Stammen, um, who is just like, I don't know. I, I, I like him because he's so under the radar. Like, no one in baseball talks about Craig Stammen. I, I think we were even looking for, like, a trade at, near the deadline, and just there wasn't anything, which makes sense because he is 34, and it seems vaguely unsustainable what he's doing. Um, but he had eight wins, which tied for the team lead with Joey Lucchese. That's um, crazy. Which is yeah, yeah. I mean, which is which is just insane. Um, and obviously, a, a you know, a, part, a product of that, or a, a part of that is is you know, just kind of being in the in the right place at the right time. But but he did well, you know, when he was brought in a two seven three ERA, uh, eighty eight strikeouts in seventy nine innings. Most importantly, eight wins, because wins are the most important pitcher stat, as we all know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 but, but yeah, I, I like him. What, do you, what are you guys' uh, thoughts on Craig Stammen? I'll start with Tony, or do you have any? Because, I mean, again, like I said, he's so under the radar that I feel like he's not someone that a lot of people talk about. I mean, I think he is uh, quietly the most reliable reliever. I mean, I think it's a good choice. Uh, something else to kind of throw in with his numbers, he only gave up 17 walks over almost 80 innings. I mean, he's just, he is the most reliable, I think. You know when he's going in, it's, yeah, he may give up a hit or two, but so very rarely does he blow the game up. You know, if he comes in and the game's already lost, and it's like, all right, well, whatever, this is a sinking ship. But um, I don't have the article in front of me, but there was a recent article uh after the season ending, kind of talking about the Padres in review. And uh, based on advanced stats, uh, Stammen was the most efficient reliever on the team. So, I mean, I think he's fully deserving. But, yeah, at that age, 34, you kind of think, yeah, probably could have traded him. But, I mean, on the uh, flip side of that, teams were probably like, yeah, he's good, but old? Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, again, like we were just talking about for, uh, I believe for Gates, you know, 31, 34. These guys are getting up there in, in the old baseball years. Um, and, and to add to that, Stammen's even a little bit of a step down from the production of a guy like Gates or Strom. Uh, did have more innings under his belt. You said, eight, you know, 79 innings, almost 80 innings. Um, and then the thing that I like the best about Mr. Stammen is, uh, a, was it .3 home runs per nine innings? Yep. So he, the guy does not give up home runs. That's... That's huge, especially when it seems like every, not every pitcher, but so many of the pitchers that uh, are on the Padres at the moment, uh, that is their Achilles heel is giving up the long ball. Um, perhaps the fences have come in too much. 
but I'm not going to complain. I mean, I like seeing home runs as much as the next guy. But uh, so I mean, when you have a guy that's not giving up those home runs and is you know inducing ground ball contact, you, you got to hang on to that. Um, but again, yeah, you, you can't look past the the age number there. Thirty four is that's uh, concerning. No matter no matter what position you have on the diamond, but um, I don't know. I mean. Boy, he's he's tough, right? Because like he's got he's got a kind of a checkered. I don't want to say checkered history, but you know some higher ERA numbers in there over his history, right? So a three point eight four ERA in his thirty age thirty season, mm-hmm. um, and then eh, it's pretty good two point seven six two point three four. But then uh, 20, 2009, 2010% are were pretty bad for him as well. Five point one one five point one three ERA. So it's like like Johnny was saying, how sustainable is this when you know he's having a you know a great age 34 season is this just a flash in the pan is he is he peaking and he's going to rapidly decline what's going to happen with this guy and then on top of that he's sort of an unknown around the league so how do we how do we even get any value back for him you know what i mean so i wonder if this is a guy who just kind of finishes his years out in san diego as a setup man i think that may be the case honestly i think that is probably where they go where i don't have his contract details in front of me but uh even if he has like one more year, I think that may just be the route to go. I mean, there's a chance they flip him for some kind of almost like a lottery ticket thing at the trade deadline where it's like team is just trying to bolster their bullpen for a playoff run. But I mean, if that is his fate and he just kind of wraps up one more year with the Padres and delivers numbers similar to that, then I'm okay with that. I mean, could be worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if it is, you know, just a, just a couple seasons, it's it's nice to watch, you know, while the while the team is still rebuilding. Um, I am going to move on to the uh, next award, and I'll have Tony announce this one. This award is for favorite frame. Get it? Like like an inning frame? Do you get it, guys? Or like the strike zone frame? Like, that's the pun, favorite frame. Anyway, this is for the best moment of the season. And this one's just kind of a wide-open topic. Uh, I think we have some pretty different choices that kind of highlight different uh, areas of the season. But uh, do you want me to go first, Johnny, with uh, my pick or pass off to someone? Okay, my favorite moment of the season is... Uh, I think it was during the summer, and we were playing the Pirates, and they did this last year. The Padres did it last year, and they did it again, and I missed it last year, so this is my first time seeing it, and it was perfection. I think it has to be done every season, but they put uh, Mud Grant and Donnie out in the outfield in these big, like, oversized, almost like lawn chair type things, like beach chair recliners or something and they call the game from the outfield and that alone is a pretty funny idea like okay i get it but they went absolutely crazy and mud was just heckling players the whole game and at first you're thinking oh yeah he's probably heckling padres players oh no oh no poor gregory polanco of the pirates had to deal with (laughs) mud grant yelling at him talking about how will myers went oppo on him <laughs> just watching him <laughs> leaning over the fence screaming at greg Polanco is just a priceless moment it's so good and there are two uh, great reactions there's a pretty good thread online of just uh kind of like highlighting the whole thing but uh he heckles renfro 
and he doesn't give him anything. Renfro's just ignoring him. And eventually, he just gives him a handshake. He waves him off, and Donnie just starts cracking up in that wonderful laugh he has where it sounds like he can't breathe, and he's just wheezing, <laughs> laughing at mud. <laughs> and then uh, they give Dankowski a little bit of a hard time, and he is a much better sport. He kind of looks back, and he gives like a hang loose sign acknowledges them and then mud is extremely pleased with himself he's like yeah there's there's my guy there's my player just desperately seeking attention from someone (laughs) but the whole thing is just so good and i mean at that point we were basically the bad team that we ended up being like we all knew how the season was going to go so just to have something like that that is fun and inventive and makes a three and a half hour tv broadcast of a losing team worth watching i remember turning on and being like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this whole thing like i'm not missing a second of this uh that was definitely my favorite moment of the season it's just so perfect they i think they have to do it every year it's just so fun i wonder what the atmosphere was like if you were there like if you were watching them stand up and lean over the outfield wall and yell at opposing players oh man that's awesome i I don't know, because you get into the, like, too much of a good thing territory if you do that all the time, but, like, may- so not every game, definitely, but yes. maybe, like, a, a Friday night game yes. kind of thing would be kind of cool to just to always have that and make it kind of like a Padres thing, you know? Because, I mean, we, it's baseball, so unique ballpark experiences are, are kind of like a hallmark of, you know, the Major League Baseball experience. So to have, have the local commentators heckling players, like, oh, that's just San Diego, that's what happened, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I think that would be really cool to have that kind of reputation. Be so funny. And, I mean, we've been so lucky in San Diego for our, our commentators, you know? We went from, uh, and Mudcat has been there through it all, but... We had Matt Vaskersian, and then he left to go to the MLB Network, and to replace him, we got the legend Dick Enberg, who uh, you know who was in his twilight years, but was still, I, I mean, entertaining in my opinion. Of course, uh, not without his his errors uh, as he as he got up there in age, but I mean, I think that just added to the charm personally. Uh, and then from there, we get uh, we get Don Orsillo. Like, how how does that happen? I mean, the guy's a legendary commentator as well. How do we do that? I mean, I guess it's San Diego, so everybody wants to come to San Diego, but. Uh, I, I just can't wait for the team to catch up to the, the commentating talent that we've had and uh, to see a Mudcat fawn over a playoff uh, caliber Padres team oh. would be just, just great because that guy just loves the game of baseball, you know. Launch angle! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think Mudcat would be just as happy as any of us when you know if the, if the Padres won the World Series, which is one of the things I think that we like so much and we kind of relate is because he is obviously such a fan uh, like a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, like a lot of, um, uh, I feel like good, you know, uh, uh, color guys for local baseball teams are. So, um, yeah, that, that was, that was, that was a really fun, that was a really fun moment. There were a few really fun, uh, Dawn moments this season. So I'm, I'm excited to watch them next oh. season too. <laughs> we we're so are. spoiled. We're just so spoiled. I hope they, uh, I'm just going to enjoy both of them while we have them because they are oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And as much as I loved, uh, sorry to cut you off, but as much as I loved Dick Enberg's time with San Diego, and you know, may he rest in peace. But he was more of a straight laced kind of uh, play by play commentary guy, whereas Definitely. you know Matty V and, and Don are, are a little bit more willing to, to play some of uh, Mudcat's games, so to speak, <laughs> and kind of get into that. Uh, I remember Johnny. Do you remember watching that game when we were kids? We used to watch a lot of Padres baseball because I mean we couldn't drive yep. and we lived in. Ramona, so like what else were we gonna do? Drugs probably. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we 
But we would watch. Uh, it was, I, I don't remember who was playing, but uh, there was. It was like late in the game, and I don't think it was competitive. But we were watching Two anyway, women. and they were like, there were these yes! fans in the in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, they, they were, were playing these Arizona. Women in the crowd, and they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they really okay? And they were communicating with the commentators with signs, and like they had a phone, so like I don't know how they got the inside line, but it was like they were talking to each other. Oh and my god! A little bit. During the live yeah. broadcast of a baseball game. There was a whiteboard involved, and they would write messages. They'd be like, mud is really cute or something like that. And <laughs> uh, and and they kept, like, panning over to them. Just I mean, this was for, like, a half an hour. Like, no joke. Like, just kind of going to the game, panning over to them, seeing what they had to write, them saying stuff back. Like, <laughs> it was hilarious. I was like, mud's going to get some. I mean, I think he was, I think he was married, so he wasn't going to get some that night. But, but you know. Uh, uh, there was someone interested in mud that night for sure. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. that was a good one. Yeah, there, so that was one of my favorite memories of those days, the Maddie V and Mudcat days. And then the other memory I have was, I think it was Adrian Gonzalez who hit a, just a towering home run. And for, I don't know if it was for a bet or something, I have no idea what the reason was behind the scenes, but Matt Mascurgeon just starts singing Fly By Night by Rush <laughs> in a falsetto voice. <laughs> and he sings the chorus to Fly By Night. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh, and I, I, I feel like it's that YouTube became a somewhere, thing. But it's one, another one of my favorite moments. Like a, like a repeat thing that he would do every time there was a home run? I, I don't know if it was all the time that there was a home run, but just like random. I remember hearing that more than once, I feel like. Not sure. Yeah, I only remember the one time, but it could have happened. Maybe I'm misremembering. Who knows? Anyways, I'm gonna move us along because I realize we only have like half an hour left, and we still have to get through like three more, uh, three more items. Oh shoot! Can I get? Can it? I get oh to no, 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 no worries. Quick? I gotta get to mine too. So you do yours first. Okay. Okay. Great. So uh, my favorite moment, uh, and I I don't like the uh, confines of the question. Favorite frame. I didn't pick a favorite inning. <laughs> um, my favorite moment was also a game. It was Carlos Villanueva's, uh, or Carlos Villanueva, Christian Villanueva. My gosh, it's the end of 2018, and I got the guy's name wrong. Sorry, Christian Villanueva. Uh, but his three home run game and his just uh, smoldering, super sexy bat flip on his third home run. That was that was my favorite moment in the 2018 season, and I know I'm tripping Tony really hard right now. So I'll go ahead and open up the discussion to Tony. <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words. It, it's been in the show doc for so long too and it's still just man it it, it stings to read and i could delete it but I, I can't it's your pick i respect it uh that being said that game was awesome that was when he was on fire and it was like oh my god we have we have something so special on our hands and well didn't wow okay okay i, I see what's happening uh listeners in the show doc my co-hosts have bolded Bat flip. Oh, and now it's Comic Sans. Now too. it's Comic Sans. <laughs> Just mocking me. Truly mocking me. Mid show. Not going to derail me, though. Oh uh, that moment was incredible. Uh, it's too bad he couldn't have uh, maintained that momentum throughout the whole season, but I mean, that, that is a clear highlight of the year. It was just so fun to watch him uh, be on fire, and you could tell he was just completely in the zone. Um, I mean,. Hopefully we can see something out of him next year. Maybe there's a hitting adjustment to be made so he's not just so uh, one side heavy on the side of the plate. But uh, remains to be seen. But that game was really something cool to watch. Definitely. <clears throat> ah, excuse me. Gosh, definitely. Um, yeah, that 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 one and Renfro's sort of 
pseudo bat flip. Those those were two of my favorite bat flips. I think this season. No. <laughs> no. But uh, I'll move on to my favorite frame <laughs> of the season, uh, and that was also not a single inning or pitch or moment, but <clears throat> uh, it was when we made the Francisco Mejia trade uh, because I think that was a clear signal to me that. AJ was willing to make kind of ballsy moves um, and that he was looking to, you know, get more offense into the farm system and ultimately up into the major league club. Uh, So that was, that was a big one for me. I I never expected that to happen. I think, you know, sometimes we get talked about in some of these trade rumors and I know we'll, we'll be talked about a lot in the future, but for us to actually pull the trigger and get it done was something that I have not seen often in my Padres lifetime. Uh, any, uh, uh, sorry, any of you, your guys' thoughts, I guess, real quick on the Mejia trade or, uh, anything about that? <laughs> you summed it up really nicely, I think. I mean, that, that really is such a great signal that, you know, we're, uh, I think we're entering a new era of Padres baseball, uh, one where we're really going to make a, a run, um, maybe not next year, um, per se, but, uh, def- definitely not in 2018, but, you know, we're, we're starting to trend in that direction where we're going to make a run at this and try to make a deep postseason run. And when we see a guy who, uh, is an incomplete player at the time, like, uh, Austin Hedges kind of is and was in 2018, uh, with that said, he's still young and has time to turn it around. But when you've got a guy that's just such a phenomenal defensive talent at catcher and is not able to produce on offense, uh, and, you know, Preller's willing to say, all right, here we go. Like, let's get a, an offensive, uh, powerhouse of a catcher and let them compete and make each other better. Um, that's that's something that really gets me excited as well. So I totally agree. Psyched. Yeah, you guys have nailed it. Uh, I love that the trade was done. Uh, I agree with you, Johnny, that it's just kind of like, oh, wow, that is a dream scenario, honestly. And then, Joel, what you said about, uh, I think there was kind of trepidation of just like, oh, yeah, but like Austin's a fan favorite and blah, blah, blah. But eventually, when you want to build a winning team, you have to be like, look, this is just not getting it done. And Hedges' bat isn't getting it done. So let's get someone who has the bat that can. And I mean, uh, kind of a little bit of a full circle moment in a mini way on the season was later when Mejia had that walk-off grand slam. It's just like, this kid's legitimate. And the bat speed is real, and it's uh, really exciting. Yep. Yeah. He's he now he's a guy that uh, I, I'm I'm slightly surprised he didn't win this next award for many of us. Uh, and Joel, would you mm. like to present this lovely award to the folks at home? Yeah, uh, this one doesn't have a, a clever name, but we're calling this one the guy you're most excited to watch play for the Padres next season award. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> nice and succinct. Um, so I'll go ahead and go first on this one. Uh, the one that I am most excited to watch, uh, there's, there's just a glut of prospects that we all expect to come up in the 20, uh, 2019 season. Um, I'm going to pick a guy who actually already had some time and I think was expected to play a good part of 2018 uh, and showed just some otherworldly athletic ability uh, in terms of both power and speed in the outfield, which is obviously the combo you want out there. Uh, I'm going to go with Franchi Cordero. Um, I am so intrigued and enamored with this guy's pop. Um, just hits monstrous home runs, um, and it has, you know, has the speed to be able to play center field at the same time. That's such a cool, scary, like, powerful combination in my mind that, like, I really want to see this guy flesh out into, like, a complete major league talent and just, like, take, you know, uh, the NL West and the MLB in general by storm and, and lead the charge for this team. 
uh, it's something that kind of fizzled out, right? So his production was kind of tailing off a little bit, and then he had the injury that basically ended his season. Um, but, I, I mean, he's still super young, and I feel like he's just got so much raw talent that he could really blossom into something special. And to have that under team control and homegrown is uh, something that's super exciting to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was thinking about actually putting him on my uh, on the list as my selection as well, but I ended up going with, with someone else. But yeah, he's kind of a forgotten name, especially considering that Fran Mill had such a great uh, such a great rookie season um, that I think Franchi kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But but I think he'll have definitely be playing, looking to prove something next season. Yep, I uh, agree. The athleticism is freakish i mean he had what was it like 487 foot homer this season you're just like wow that is pretty awesome like having something close to a 500 foot homer is crazy and when you watch when you rewatch that clip it you don't really like get the sense of the power like you watch swing you're like oh yeah you definitely got all that one and then you see it and you're like oh my god it's still going wow that went way out there and you watch him run the base and you're like wow, that guy is also freakishly fast. So, I mean, if he can put it together and stay healthy, uh, he's going to be really something special. So I think that's a great pick, Joel, uh, especially considering he was sidelined with an injury so much of this year. It is something where now that he's on the top of our minds again, it's kind of like, yeah, you're right. I really want to see what he has to offer. Uh, I think the Padres need to figure out what they want to do in the outfield first to even give him some room to play. But I think they have to. I mean, the upside there just seems way too good to ignore awesome well uh we are all excited for uh, for franchi cordero next season tony who are you most excited for kind of a good segue from joel's pick because my pick was also sidelined early with an injury uh i'm excited for luis urias uh, simply because he was my most hyped player this year. He finally got called up. Uh, we only saw him for, I want to say, like 10 games, something like that, maybe a little bit more, but uh, only saw a little bit of it. Um, I would say the bat was there, and it wasn't, but with such a small sample size, you kind of have to give it a little bit of a pass. Uh, that being said, the defense was definitely there. I mean, his first play after being called up is just this beautiful dive and throw to first and you just kind of immediately get that sense of like yes finally competent second base yes please no more i'm not going to throw names out but like Perella, you're trash we can't have you on the team anymore i'm sorry <laughs> so uh i'm just i mean if jose Perella is listening to this then wow that's pretty cool and sorry i just dragged you through the mud but it is what it I is nice um, i'm sure he is sure he is just don't don't stand on the second base bag, please. Uh, but I'm just really excited to see what a full season of Urias can give us. Uh, hopefully have him hitting up near the top of the order. Uh, his OBP is his biggest talent, I think. So let's go ahead and give him that opportunity to show us uh, what he can do for the team. So he is definitely my most excited to watch to play for the Padres next season. And I think in the question, we've kind of highlighted play for the Padres. And I am, I mean, knock on wood because this would really hurt, but... I am pretty confident Luis is going to stay a Padre for all of next season. So let's see what he can give us. Uh, who's your pick, Johnny? Oh, man. Well, you now I almost want to change it and say, like, Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. coughs> 
because those rumors are out there, and I'm worried that, Lu- that uh, Luis is involved in that hypothetical trade. No. I, and no. I and I I don't want no. it to happen either. I'd I'd rather uh, even though Degrom's thirty, I'd rather have him. Quite frankly, but um, the guy that I'm most excited to watch play for the Padres next season, if you listen to the show, you're expecting this name. It's Cal Quantrill, baby. Um, he struggled in Double A this season, but then did well in Triple A, which is the hitters league. So I've got to think that. He was working on something in Double A, or at least that's the excuse that I tell myself. Um, but but he, he you know he was doing well enough in in Triple A. His strikeout numbers improved. Kind of everything had improved. So I'm hoping, and I'm not sure when we'll see him, but I am hoping to see him at some point next season. And honestly, if it's in the bullpen or the starting role, I I don't care either way. I just want to see him. Um, and and uh, you know see what he looks like for an extended period. I know he had the September call-up in 2017, I believe, but uh, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of in the middle of the year and, and kind of see him deal with, you know, the dog days of summer and things like that. So uh, I am most excited to watch Cal Quantrill, and hopefully I actually do see him next season. Nice. Um, I'm going to be honest, Cal Quantrill has sort of fallen off my radar a little bit, and I know that's probably going to hurt your feelings, Johnny, but... Um... I don't know. I feel like there's been so like uh, like Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore have sort of stolen the spotlight uh, as far as the the pitching prospects for the Padres. Um, I don't know. if Maybe that's a good thing for Cal Quantrill. It takes a little pressure off to know that he's not in the headlines all the time. Uh, but he has sort of, uh, if I remember correctly, he's performed a little bit below expect uh, expectations um, this past yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely has. Um, and he was, I want to say, a second round pick. Back in 2016, um, no, oh, he is a first, first rounder. He was picked oh, okay. eighth overall. Okay, maybe that was like early. That was, I think that might have been 2015. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the, a lot of other arms have, and especially like you said, Patino in particular, have risen up quickly and made a name for themselves. Um, obviously, Gore being such a high draft pick, Weathers, you know, being the being the rookie, um, but. Notice you didn't use Weathers first. Name That's true. Yeah, he'll never get it. I, and you know what? I almost said David again. Yeah, Ryan Weathers. Ryan, don't call me David. I thought it was Carl. Carl. Ooh, baby, you get a change up, a slider, and a fastball, and you got a stew brewing. Oh, I think I fucked up that 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 line, but oh well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, shit, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh yeah. Um, but with uh, with Quantrill, he has somewhat disappointed, and and that's kind of why I'm hoping that he does better once he comes up to the big leagues. Um, I, I I think Darren Balsley like solves everything somehow. Um, he's just a he's just a pitching genius, um, and I think that Quantrill is talented enough that he's not. I mean, he's not going to be a number one starter, but I feel like he could be like a decent number two or number three. Um, and, and kind of surprise some people in that sense. So I, I think he's like a steady guy. Like he, he kind of like, and, and not in stuff at all, but just kind of in the, the sort of the type of player. He reminds me kind of like a Dallas Keuchel. Like mm. he's not like going to overpower or like wow you or, you know, do anything crazy like that. But um, but assuming that he can, you know, hit his spots, and which I guess you can say about everything one, but if they can hit their spots and make their pitches and, and things like that, and never get injured, should be successful. Yeah, and never get injured. Don't ever get injured, and uh, don't, and suck. don't ever miss your spots. Yeah, don't <laughs> suck. 
don't suck. So, yeah, that's my guy, Quantrill. Um, I am going to move on. Or did you have anything that you wanted to talk about with Quantrill, Tony? Um, I'm excited to see what he has. I, I think you may be onto something saying that uh, perhaps the spotlight, because he was taken uh, first round, eighth overall. That's, uh, you know, quite a lot of pressure to put on a young kid. I think he's still only 23 years old. Uh, his dad played like 15 years in the MLB and was known for being super durable and reliable. So I think there's definitely some pressure on him to perform and maybe kind of having other stars in the farm system, like we talked about with Patino and Gore, will kind of allow him to just uh, focus on himself and do what he needs to do to kind of correct whatever issues he's having. But uh, I'm on the same page as you guys. Like, I'm just ready to see what he has uh, at the big league level. Like, I, if he is crushing it in AAA... I'm going to say bring him up, and if he is kind of struggling, I'll still almost say, like, well, let's see what he's got up here. If he struggles up here, then, yeah, let's send him down to AAA and see if he can fix it. But uh, his his case is strange where he was so poor at AA and then seemed to turn around in AAA. So uh, I'm, I'm just really curious and kind of uh, uh, with Joel that he fell off my radar, but now that he's back on it, I'm like, all right, well, let's get him up here. Let's see what he's got. I'm going to keep him on everyone's radar all the time. Until of course. Time. He's never truly <laughs> off our radar. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's off most other people's radar, but thanks to our thanks to our Facebook group chat, he's never he's never off our radar. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next, uh, not even really an award here. We're going to move on to a final grade uh, for Andy Green. We're going to grade his performance on the season as a manager. Oh, yes. There we go. Oh, here we go. Tony's got a good one here. This is Geppetto's grand grading, uh, the Triple G. And we'll start off with Tony. Tony, what do you give our dear Geppetto? What is his grade? I am going to start with a disclaimer that I think it is, for all the numbers and stats and measurables in baseball, I feel like it is near impossible to uh, assign a definitive grade to a manager it's just what are we supposed to grade like there's no quantify i mean i guess you could technically do it based on wins and losses of the team but that seems unfair like they're not out there playing if someone hits a home run or someone makes a huge mistake that costs the game it's not the manager's fault so it's very hard to grade we have to go off of uh things that we think are their decision things that we think are kind of uh, in their control, how they're running the clubhouse, how the morale of the team seems. But that's all just kind of conjecture. We're just basing that off of what writers are telling us and what we see on TV and hear through the radio. So uh, it's really hard to give him a grade. And with that disclaimer, I kind of put mine as incomplete question mark with parentheses C plus because I, I don't really know. Like I, I'm not in love with his managing style but i also don't have a definitive thing to say oh yeah this is why i want to see him go or this is why i'm giving him such a poor grade it's it i I had a lot of trouble kind of assigning a grade to him uh the other thing i wanted to point out is i mean it's not like he has a lot to work with it's like he's, he's got a couple potential stars but outside of that it's a lot of question marks on the team so uh, I will say I think he managed the bullpen pretty well. I think with the talent that we have in the bullpen, which is pretty clear, uh, very rarely did I feel like he brought in the wrong person. I think, uh, Joel, when we talked about Brad Hand a little bit earlier, that's kind of more like, uh, yeah, you got to bring in your senior guy. That's 
who you trust to close a game. And if he's struggling, then it's like, well, uh-oh. But again, how much of that can I put on Andy Green? You know, I, I can't just be like, oh, God, he's bringing in the closer in the ninth inning. What a nut job. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And then if Brad struggles, it's like, well, that kind of sucks. I mean, you expect him to close out the game. So I had trouble. I, I'm saying C+. Plus. I do like that whenever there's a little bit of a scrap, he gets very fired up and very in the ump's face, which is always good. He's definitely thrown his hat in the dirt a couple times. So I applaud that every time. Yeah, that, I, I, I love seeing him get fired up. Uh, Joel, what was your grade for Andy Green? Or for, excuse me, what is your grade for Geppetto? <laughs> My grade for Geppetto, I think it's funny that Tony mentioned uh, that it's difficult to uh, assign a grade to to manager. I mean, I completely agree, but when he said specifically based on wins, because that's exactly <laughs> what I used as my my metric to give him a grade. It's fair. Um, so, I mean, you know, what what, what is your job as, as a manager it's is to, to make sure your team wins games, yeah. right? You so, play to win know. the game. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> that was pretty solid. That was a really good present. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play it to just play it. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, there's a couple ways I can look at it in terms of wins, right? So the really easy and fun way that, like, makes me feel smug and, and, like, I'm seeing something that's really clever is uh, if you take the number of wins uh, that you see a team get, they usually correspond pretty well to the grade you get in in a class, right? So, like, 66 wins would be a a D, Mm. right? Or if you see a team that's doing really well and wins 90 uh, games, then, you know, that's an A team, right? Um, So that's my, uh, my probably overly clever... Uh, way of assigning a grade to to a manager there, but uh, the other way to look at it is, um, I suppose how many how many wins are you adding to a team that they wouldn't otherwise get? I guess is probably the best way to look at it. I don't think I'm nearly qualified enough to try to make a, an objective um, call on that. Uh, I, I mean, if you're gonna, I guess take that as a disclaimer, but. Uh, I feel like that the Padres have probably underperformed a little bit. I mean, I think we talked it early in the show. Um, I, or I guess a way earlier episode about how with this Padres team, I feel like, and they're, they're never going to say this explicitly, but I feel like the sweet spot they want for a team that's not in competitive mode is like 72 to 75 wins, mm-hmm. which is what they're looking for. And they came in about 10 wins below that. So I think a D is, is pretty fair by that metric as well. So that's why I give Andy Green, Geppetto, uh, a D this year. Um, I, there's things that I don't like about his managing style as well. I feel like he tinkers a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe too much, but I mean that that could be something that actually served this team really well when you've got a lot of young guys and that sort of that specter of positionless baseball that Johnny has talked about. Uh, where maybe that's the approach. I think Andy Green's probably a really good manager for that kind of thing because he's not afraid to plug people in wherever and move things around mid game or between games and play with the lineup and it's always different every time you go out there. So um, had those bullpen yeah, I mean, games uh, in the year in the beginning of the year. Right, right, exactly, yeah, and, and those worked out really well, surprisingly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, a D isn't appropriate grade for him because, it, you know, it's not great, but at the same time it's that, like, oh, that just barely technically passing grade because I think there is still some upside and potential for Andy Green as manager. Um, it's just that it's probably going to be for the Diamondbacks when he leaves and becomes <laughs> a playoff caliber manager because that's just magically how it works when we let go of managers. Oh, God, that hurts. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. If he ends up winning like the World Series with the Rockies or something, I'm just going to tear my hair out. Um, I, for similar reasons as, as Tony, I gave uh, Geppetto a B. 
um, because I just have no idea how to... Well, the, the way that I grade managers is like, is there a mutiny? Are the players <laughs> trying? Like, if there's no mutiny and the players are trying and they seem like they're having fun, then that's... It's just manager. a pure binary. Yeah, like, I'm like, I mean, because it's... It, I feel like with baseball, it is so long that you just have to have a manager that you're okay being around for a... Like, you're still willing to try hard for him in game 137. Um, you know, or you're willing to give a shit even with if the team isn't doing great. So I feel like a manager who's able to... Uh, you know, set a professional culture, gives a shit about his players, which I, I think his temper. I mean, I, I'm of the I'm of the mind that, and I, and I think some players definitely agree with this. Is you know, when the manager gets all pissed off and yelling, uh, you know, at the ump and sticking up for his guys, like it really, you know, it, I don't know. It makes guys feel like their manager gives a shit um, mm-hmm. and, and and really cares. And he definitely goes to bat for his players, and and uh, he seems like. You know, I mean, this is all, you know, obviously this is all kind of just feeling and, and you know, our uh, view of it. But, but he seems like just the kind of guy who, you know, doesn't take shit from the players or, mm-hmm. you know, but at the, but at the, you know, he kind of, he sets boundaries, but, but he still allows for it to, to be fun. So that's the kind of manager that I think, um, you know, is, is successful today. So I think, especially with baseball, it's a lot of, you know, people management over the long cooling um, I am going to move on now into some quick final thoughts on this season going into next season. And if you're able to um, keep them in like three sentences, <laughs> just because I want to respect Tony's heart out. <laughs> no problem. We're good. We've got, uh, we I'll got, go and go first. We've got like yeah. 10 minutes, so we're good. Okay, okay, okay. Well, four sentences. Uh, we'll start with Tony. <laughs> start with me. So much more. So much space for activities. Yeah. Um, I mean, season is disappointing in, I think, many ways. I mean, outside of just wins and losses, there are, uh, I think we're all just getting a little antsy waiting for, quote unquote, the process to turn that corner. It's like, yeah, the farm is great. We have so many great prospects. That's awesome. But ultimately, you want to see them succeed on the field at the major league level. It's, it doesn't matter if you have the best farm system in baseball if you're losing uh, majority of your games year after year after year so i am just very excited to see some key pieces uh take the next step i mean we didn't even talk about tatis or paddock or uh many others who are ju- uh, logan allen who are just on the cusp of getting ready to come up and perform at the major league uh, level so i am just ready to see the team take the next step and hoping that they take the correct step uh, not like a 2015 step where uh, it kind of blows up in our face in June. So uh, disappointing season overall, but plenty of things to be excited about going into next season and very excited to see where it goes and excited to talk about it with you guys. That was not four sentences. Actually, it was one sentence. I didn't use a period or a comma. No, that's perfect. I like that. I like that. That's, uh, that's, That's how kids write sometimes they're just like everything is all one long sentence because it's just stream of consciousness yep uh <laughs> joel you are up next yeah uh so uh, similar sentiment to tony uh this year was uh obviously disappointing uh but i think we all in our heart of hearts uh, i'm gonna use a lot of cliches in my final thoughts here but uh, i think we all knew deep down that this was going to be a pretty bad year um 
but there's definitely a lot to be hopeful for. I think something to look for for this team is what we saw happen to the Braves, where this team is going to be garbage, and then all of a sudden it's not, and it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to piecemeal slowly uh, turn into a, a contending team. Uh, when you load up on all these prospects that we're seeing, I think it's going to be kind of, I, I don't want to say flipping a switch because it will take longer than that, but it's going to be very sudden where it's going to seem like we're just you know bursting onto the scene and winning lots of games. Uh, there's so much to be excited about for this Padres team going forward. Don't let 2018 discourage you too much because we all kind of expected it to be this way. Um, so be excited. The lava is flowing. Uh, it's going to be great. That's my final thoughts. Joel, you just got me so hyped. I, I was just like, oh was my like, gosh. I heard Eye of the Tiger in my mind while you were talking about it. Because I'm like so hopeful that's going to, you know, it, when this team is good, it's going to take me like three months of, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is sustainable. <laughs> I yeah. Like I am like so beaten down and just not expecting anything. I'm like, we're gonna when's the other shoe going to drop? 75 wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just look at the Chargers who lost by one point again today. Like, we don't even support them, and they still do this shit. Um, but, but it's like when, 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 because I really do believe it's when. Like, there is enough talent on this team that I think it's when we are good, um, and and we have a smart enough front office that isn't going to trade away all the good. But when we are good, like I, I really don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be slightly giddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can you guys imagine talking about a good team? Huh? Oh my gosh. Oh what? my gosh. Or just being like talking about whichever pitcher and just being like, that's going to be an easy win. Like he's just going to mow oh. them down. I, whew, just got tickled. <laughs> <laughs> what a thought. I know. Having guys that we like want to wait to watch their at bat. <laughs> like, oh, hang on. Yeah. He's coming up again. Man. Um, well, okay, final thoughts for me. I guess that was sort of my final thoughts, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, mostly just that I, I can't wait for this team to be good. Uh, and ideally we'll, we'll see shimmers of that next season. I expect us to, to finish around 500. Um, if we're a little bit above, you know, 85 wins would absolutely be a, uh, a successful season for me, I think. So, I'm excited to watch the, the the lava or the magma come up and become lava and then the talent will, will flow across the lands. I'm ready to bathe <laughs> in the lava. I'm ready to get burned. Oh come god, on. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get burned by this, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> One way or another, positive or One negative, way. we're gonna get burned. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um Alright. Well, uh please share with us your final thoughts. Uh, as well on the season or what you're feeling like about next season and uh, you can do so by reaching us I'm gonna do this I'm gonna, I sorry I, I, I shouldn't even have interrupted I should have just kept going but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch these two things around um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, I, there, there was literally no reason to stop there um, you can reach us at, on social media on Twitter at dad's talking dads you can email us uh, dad's talking dads at gmail.com either of those ways uh feel free to uh rate and review like and subscribe thumbs up uh share what you know whatever you do with your stuff um or just good old-fashioned shouting about us outside of an open window do that That i prefer that that. always works (laughs) 
Dad's Dad's talking. talking. Dad's. Dad's. Hello. (laughs) Um. And finally, before we go, we're gonna get into some recommendations because we never want to forget these. Uh, And feel free to share with us your recommendations as well. Enrich our lives. You know, we we only know so much. Uh, And to start off, our recommendations for this week is Tony. Mine is very simple. Uh, I'm going to be traveling to Utah this week for Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to be driving. And essential to that seven-hour drive is going to be the music that I will be listening to. And I will have many custom playlists ready to go. And that is my recommendation. Make some custom playlists, whether it's uh, when you want to work out or different genres of music that you want to listen to or different moods. Like, you know, you have a sad playlist or, oh, this is my get hyped playlist. This is my playlist. That's just, I have the tiger 25 times, like whatever it is that fits your mood, make a custom playlist for it. That way you don't get stuck with the, Oh, what do I want to listen to? And then you just kind of fiddle with your phone for 20 minutes and then you just move on. And more importantly, have a custom playlist so you don't Look at your phone when you're driving. Put on that playlist, put the phone away, and get where you need to go safely. My recommendation is custom playlists available on Spotify or Apple Music. And if you use something else, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I think Amazon Music lets you make custom playlists, too. Um, Amazon Music? You there you go. Custom, if you're using something that doesn't let you use custom playlists, then you should probably move on Gabbage. whatever that service is. <laughs> Gabbage. So I'm going to go ahead and move us along to, to my recommendation. Tell us about um, some garbage, this, Joel. This, this, might be a, this might be a dad's talking dad's first. This, uh, this recommendation is something I don't want you guys to do uh, as you're, as you're uh, moving on with your, your lives here. Um, it, this is an addition by subtraction for sure. <laughs> don't buy Fallout 76. If you're into video games at all, don't do it. It looks terrible. Um, I, there's a video on YouTube I saw. It was about a 20-minute video. And it was basically just a juxtaposition of, um, I think his name, I don't remember his last name, but they keep calling him Todd. So I know his first name's Todd, but from Bethesda, talking about how this, Todd Howard, thank you, uh, how Fallout 76 is their biggest project that they've done in a long time and how they have so many resources dedicated to it. And then like the next 15 minutes of the video is just hideous, game-breaking, awful bugs. um, And people just talking about how there's nothing to do in this game. Uh, they're getting kicked off of the server, uh, and some of this is probably beta stuff that needs to be worked out, but the game is now live. Uh, it, these things should be worked out, and I don't think most of them are. Um, and then it, it, the, the coup de grace of the uh, uh, the video is the final boss of Fallout 76, or what I perceive to be the final boss, is um, it's essentially a Skyrim dragon that's been reskinned. <laughs> um, it's it's awful. Um, don't do it, guys. It's it, it, it pains me because this is sort of like... There's like maybe five percent of games now that are still innovating and, and making you know original content that people want to play through, and then the other ninety percent, it seems like it's just this profit motive perversion of just like how can we reuse all these assets from our previous games in order to save money on costs and increase our profits, which from a business perspective makes perfect sense, but for an entertainment perspective, it's just it's so sad. There's microtransactions galore. Yikes. Um, It's, yeah, don't do it. Don't buy Fallout 76. I mean, if you want a survival game, there's plenty of great games that are in that genre. If you want a game where you can play online with your friends, there's plenty of great games that are in that genre as well. 
don't do it. There's no redeeming qualities to this game that I can see whatsoever. Just don't. Dang. And on next week's episode, we'll be discussing why late-stage capitalism is crumbling <laughs> and when the revolution will be occurring. <laughs> oh Sorry, just your point about the, the, the just reusing movies. skins and just saving money. and I totally agree, though. I, I think movies are that way, too, but it's, yeah. it's really frustrating. And remember, just a few weeks ago, I recommended Red Dead 2, and I still stand by that recommendation. Buy that instead. It's great. Yeah, if you follow Tony's recommendation, you have no reason to even go against my recommendation because you're still playing Red Dead Redemption too. So And that's like a agreed. phone that's a phone game, right? Like a mobile Fallout seventy six? No. No, it's like a um, multiplayer survival type game and I think it's on the Oh I'm all thinking of Fallout Shelter. I think Fallout Shelter that? was a... Yeah, that that's the mobile one. And that one's not too bad because it knows what it is. It's just a fun little mobile game yeah. with a like a Fallout flair to it. But yeah, Fallout seventy six. Mm. I cannot say enough against that game. It looks horrible. Bukaka, one star review. All right, I'm gonna roll on to uh, <clears throat> my recommendation for this week, uh, which is it vaguely ties into a recommendation I made quite a few episodes ago because um, I found it on the, the little Gutenberg books app. Um, but it's the Federalist Papers that we know and love from AP U.S. History class. Um, <laughs> written by uh, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and... Oh my gosh, why can't I remember the other person? It's like probably the most famous one. Um, but anyways, uh, so it was the, these, just, uh, these papers that were written and I think just either you know, passed out or put in newspapers or whatever. But it was essentially like why you know, the United States should adopt, well, then the colonies... Um, should adopt the U.S. Constitution and, and, you know, basically, like, why it should be a united... why there should be a United States, essentially. Um, and, and it was just interesting to read about... Uh, I think, like, it, it's, it's, you know, history repeats itself. I think a lot of the same things are kind of always going on, but they're talking about, you know, people that are trying to divide the country and how we, you know, should come together as a country and why we should come together as a country and, you know, why it's uh, just a bad idea to be so, you know... Uh, kind of broken up from each other so um i'm still kind of early on i'm still only in like federalist paper federalist paper number two uh but i've been enjoying it so far it's kind of long and yeah but uh that was my recommendation final <laughs> author there was uh james madison i think james madison oh my gosh why couldn't i remember that i should have just opened up the app but um but yeah that is uh that is our those are our recommendations uh for this week so uh make yourself a custom playlist especially for road trips do not buy fallout 76 don't give in to the corporate greed uh of, of bethesda <laughs> and, and as well and as well read the federalist papers um and and understand why we should all come together in times like these other than that, uh, that is it for the off-season awards. We'll have more uh, off-season talk, I am sure, when we are back in a couple weeks. Um, that is it for this week's episode of Dads Talking Dads. We know you missed us. We missed you, too. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. I am Johnny. I'm Joel. And I'm Tony. I'm glad we've got like an order now. It's so easy. Thank you all again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>